Deplorable Nation, a podcast where your voices can be heard, where things that affect you and your family are important, because it's important to all of us. Every one of us matters, and everybody has a voice. We're going to be bringing you news, current events, and throw in a lot of humor, and then you decide for yourself. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Deplorable Nation. I'm your host, Deplorable Janet. We have a very special guest with us today, but first, uh, don't forget to go to campfireblend.com, pick you up some fantastic coffee flavors from my girl, Shannon. Also, check out their B-Town Rub Down Meat Rub. It is amazing. I highly recommend. Also, make sure you go to shop at freedomshopdirectory.com. Support Miss Jackie from Bootleg Media. She's put together this wonderful list of Patriot-owned businesses and services, so they have a lot to offer over there. Check that out. Don't forget also, go to mypillow.com and use promo code Janet to save up to 66% off right now. The sheets are on sale, so make sure you check those out because they are amazing. So today, I just want to say I apologize for not having an episode last week. I have been sicker than a dog, and it was the weirdest illness that I think I've ever had in my entire life every day with some brand new weird symptoms. So I'm back at it again. So today I have a lovely guest. His name is Max Bonilla. Uh, This is called Max Effectiveness and everybody is going to absolutely adore you, Mr. Max, because you have got to be one of the most intelligent kids I have ever had the pleasure to listen to in my life. So welcome to the show. Well, I want to thank you for the introduction. Uh, I'm actually happy to be here. You know, I I go into podcasts, you know, I'm kind of an in and out guy and I love to be on people's platforms and just uh, tell them what I think about everything, give them a rundown. And that's what I'm here for. Well, you, we met by chance one night. I saw you on somebody else's live show and my jaw was on the floor listening to you because you have so much political knowledge that I don't think that people my age have that kind of knowledge. So kudos to you. So tell me a little bit about you. Well, I'm a 17 year old kid, so uh, I'm very close. I'm edging close, ever closer to that running age, uh, to the age to run in California is 18. And so I'm really looking forward to the years that are ahead because I'm excited for that. Um, I did graduate high school last year when I was 16. I am in college right now. Um, and so I'm just enjoying kind of doing my own thing. So I'm, I'm progressing. And it's not necessarily that there are two you know, different lives that I'm living. It's more like there are multiple different avenues that I'm taking to get ahead in my life. So let me ask you, um, since you are in college, do you know what you want to do? Or are you still trying to figure that out? I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do career wise, because obviously it's never good to be a career politician, but I do want to be a public servant. I do want to run for office. That is definitely one of the things that I want to do. Um, and so in 2024, that'll be the first year that I'm eligible to run for something like state assembly. And here in California, we have a huge problem in our legislature. It's funded by pharmaceutical companies. There's a lot of Mm -hmm. lobbying and special interests here in California. And I want to be one of the lions in the legislature in like three years time. So we'll see what, we'll see what happens. I'm so excited uh, for your future and whatever endeavor 
uh, public servant wise, you decide to take, uh, because I think we need more people like you. Definitely. And I know that you are not one to be quiet. <laughs> no. And I love that about you. Um, so tell me, like, how did the interest in politics come about for you? Uh, well, it came about back when I was like 14 or 15. I want to say it was more like 14. Back in back when I was 14, I was keeping up with uh, like more like federal and state policy, kind of like bump stocks, the Trump administration, all that. And then I came to a point where I was keeping track of Governor Newsom because, um, you know, uh, my parents would talk about the bureaucracy of the state and most people couldn't take it down to a deeper level. And so I wanted to understand it on a deeper level. And so I wanted to understand it so well that I would have more knowledge than Newsom, who just graduated Santa Clara University in 1989 with a bachelor's in political science. Exactly. I don't, I don't think he has a whole lot of political education. He just has a lot of uh, really wealthy backers behind him. Absolutely. And see, that's the whole game of politics. It's not about, it's not about how much you know, it's about who you know. Mm-hmm. Or who you blow that too. Yeah. Whichever. So, so did you, did you learn about politics in school? Was there any, uh, like studies that you did at school or did you basically, uh, through having conversations with your family members, well, get, I did a, get deeper did, into it? It's not that I really had it. I, well, in the beginning, I didn't have much conversation with my family members because me, I was kind of just developing my own opinion and looking at fiscal and economic and budgetary policy. And then mm -hmm. when it came to school, I was in a Civitas program for two years back in high school. And I skipped now, the last two years. Well, I skipped the last two years because I graduated early. So basically the Civitas program, uh, we we're supposed to learn like ethics and, and justice and, 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 and um, political law and all kinds of things like that. And so mm -hmm. at one point we were learning uh, national level politics. And then we were learning state and local politics, but, um, it didn't seem like a kind of program that was really getting anybody into politics. It just seemed so dumbed down, um, compared to, compared to what I know now, I'd say that program would have taught me nothing if I were to be really honest and school nowadays, it just doesn't really teach you much. Uh, we live in a country that's really dumbed down. I mean, and unfortunately, over the years, we've, it's gotten worse. I mean, they went from teaching, you know, mathematical order and numbers to common core, like explain that two plus two equals four. And that's kind of what it feels like right now. Right. And and I tend to agree with you. I mean, I taught college for quite a while. I'm a retired nurse. And I'm telling you, the school system has changed so much because even when I was teaching and I was teaching medical school, I would get students that didn't know how to add or subtract or didn't know proper grammar. Like they would write papers that were in text speak, you know, and, and things like that. And I was like, that has to do with the whole no child mm -hmm. left behind. And you just pass them, even though they could not string together a cohesive sentence to save their life. Well, 50% of our kids in our state, uh, a good majority of them are below uh, grade grade level in reading and math. So mm -hmm. it's looking bad in the state of California in terms of education. Now, we have a big, big budget, but we're the ones that are falling behind. And it's at the expense of our children. Right. And I, I have a lot of friends that live in California that you know, have kids in the school system, even the private school system, like some of the uh, things that they're teaching now, it's like a focus on, you know, critical race theory instead of what you should be learning as far as math and science and, you know, <laughs> things like that that are important, everyday kind mm -hmm. of things that are going to help you survive in life. And it's more focused on, you know, 
uh, BLM and, and critical race theory and, and stuff like that. And it's the parents are very disturbed by everything that's going on. And I'm sure that's not just in California, that's everywhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, school is like now it's, it's as foolish as like going to a science camp and then a science camp, they tell men, if you identify as they, them, you can sleep with the girls and they're mm-hmm. in their, in their, uh, whatever their cabin is, whatever, you know, cause boys and girls are usually in separate like, uh, rooms when they're going to camps, you know? Right. Right. Now I would, I would guess and say that your family, probably has traditional uh christian values am i right on that Mm, no not necessarily gotcha Um, so it was really me that really just explored everything for myself my parents really had no interest in politics or anything like that so it was just something that just lit a fire under you to start learning because you, you know, a lot about the bills and, you know, proposed legislation and and things like that. I've heard you talk about those before. And it's astonishing to me that even somebody in your age group knows as much as you do, because like I said before, even people, my age group don't have a clue what's in the bills or what's being proposed through legislatures. And I think that's so important to educate Mm -hmm. yourself because how can you um, basically go out and vote on something if you don't educate yourself on what you're voting for? And they hide, they hide, they hide a lot of stuff in bills. (laughs) Oh, well uh, here in in California's example, they had like this uh, socialist healthcare bill called AB 1400. And because they couldn't get that across the line, what Newsom did was put some of that, some of the proponents, some of the parts of that bill into what is Medi-Cal now. And so now we're just expanding Medi-Cal. And last year we did it to undocumented immigrants who are 50 and older. And so mm-hmm. our health policy is becoming uh, what progressives in the assembly wanted it to become, but without having to pass through the legislature. That's craziness. How are, how did they go about doing that? Because did they just um, attach it to something else. Yeah. They just attached it to multiple executive orders that Newsom's been signing. Interesting. So that is not exactly legal if it's done through executive order, because that's legislating through executive orders and, and skirting Congress members well, or it's, legislature it's, members of your own, you know, state. of your state. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, executives, executives or presidents, governors um, across the nation. I mean, we've seen quite a few who are trying to just legislate. They're trying to have all the powers on their own without checks and balances. They're trying to do mm-hmm. the job of all three branches. And so that's why there's no longer checks and balances. California has been one of the states that's become a bureaucracy, one man rule kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So tell me, um, like, do you think or do you know if uh, public official or performance bonds um, can help in your state? Because I, I, first of all, I don't know if you know what that is, but a lot of states have been using that now um, as far as school boards and, and things like that, where uh, they are actually having great success at uh, recalling or getting rid of people that are on the school boards and, you know, different legislative positions and, and whatnot in states, because when, when you run for office, you know, especially school board level, you have to do, um, like a a surety bond. Yes. And that basically says that you're going to perform the job to the best of your abilities. Yes, I had a feeling that's what it was because the performance bond, like, for example, with the construction company is like a contract bond that like guarantees Mm -hmm. that the contractor of that company will basically complete a project the way that you expect them to. Right. Yeah. And that's I didn't know if 
anybody in California has been talking about using um, the the bonds against elected officials because um, in a lot of instances, like I said, you know, uh, if you file if you file for a bond, and which means that you're quote insured that you're going to perform the job to the best of your abilities, um, and you're you don't follow through on that, then mm-hmm. you know the public who is you are serving the public, you're a per- public servant, so the public can actually um, file a claim again against this surety bond or performance bond. Um, and what happens is the insurer actually has to accept the claim and file an investigation um, because it's one of those things that, uh, let's see, what I think it was passed in like 1972. Um, it's the one of the oldest, um, it's one of the oldest forms of bonds as, as far as political figures go. Um, and they passed that um, back in 1972 where, you know, that these bonds could be filed against people of, of public office who are not doing their jobs, basically. And so people all over the United States have had success at recalling public officials and school board members and and all kinds of stuff because they're not upholding mm-hmm. the standards of their job. Well, I remember, you know, here over here in California, San Francisco managed to recall their board members and each board member was recalled by at least 72 or 71% of the vote. So one of them was recalled 72%. Yes. Another one, 75%. Yes. And another one, 79%. Yes. And Newsom's approval rating has gone down by 16% since the recall. So we're seeing uh, California shift quite a bit and Four congressional seats were sh- uh, were um, flipped. Excuse me, were flipped uh, in twenty twenty, and there was no news reporting on that. So California's been moving. California's been moving in the in a direction that we 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 haven't wanted it to for the last thirty years. But just mm-hmm. now, it might be making a turn. I mean, you never know, and I really hope so. Yeah, and I think so too because even. Um, in the previous election, you know, I was pretty sure that California was going to go red because um, even, you know, and it's here nor there whether people are, um, you know, fans of Trump or anything like that. But what I'm what I'm saying or what I'm getting at is that during that election, uh, there were so many people in California that, you know, had Trump signs out and, you know, stuff like that. So you saw not just him, but you saw a lot of Republican support or conservative support, um, which really didn't exist before. And I think there's only some very concentrated areas out there in California that are blue. And I don't think they'll ever change from blue. Yeah, I mean, you have cities like San Francisco and Los Angeles, urban urban uh, areas, large mm-hmm. areas of people, areas with a lot of people, uh, high density areas. Yeah, those are the areas that will kind of stay the same demographically in the future, and we'll see suburban and probably rural areas start to change because here in California there was a law passed. It's called SB nine and SB ten. There's two of them actually. They're kind of twin. Laws and SB nine is where the government uh, well you, where you can divide your land into two parcels and two apartments can be constructed in your backyard. And SB ten to run it down real quick for you, it's basically uh, anyone can come and knock down your your home in a suburban area. The city can't do anything about it, and they can just construct apartments in place of the house. And that will go; those both will go into effect on January the first of 2023. And so I really hope that that angers those who live in urban and rural areas. And they're going to be like, what the heck have we done to our state? And not only to our state, but to ourselves. What in the actual hell? That is frightening. And for anybody that, 
lives in California, you better start paying attention because this is where they come in uh, with their wise words from the World Economic Forum where you will own nothing and you will like it. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what, what these bills are doing. That gives the state the complete and total right to come in and take your property. Well, let me tell you who I talked to about this. So I know exactly what the proponents of this bill are because, or who the proponents, excuse me, uh, Scott Weiner and Senator Richard Pan, of course, those are the two that propose all the worst bills in California. And um, I talked to Mayor Bill Brand. He's the mayor of Redondo Beach. And I was in a Zoom with him for about uh, an hour to talk about it. And he knows that it's bad for his city because although there are many areas that have apartments in the city, uh, what does it mean if they go and knock down houses in suburban areas, build build large apartment buildings in its place? What does that mean for traffic? What does that mean for water? What does that mean right. for sewage? I mean, can can it handle all that volume of each thing? That's That's a very good question. But I mean... You know, who, and you said these are going to take effect when? January the 1st of 2023. These both, both of these bills were signed into law by Governor Newsom, and it was in the name of affordable housing, of course. Um, But the thing is, investors are going to come and buy up these properties, and these properties, they're going to outbid everybody else because they're going to be investment properties, and they're going to have, like I said, three apartments on one, on, on, on one, on, one piece of land that's divided into two parcels. And so investors will just outbid each other. You know, initially the rents might come down, but once people start filling up these places, the rents are going to go up. So mm-hmm. uh, it's not really a good approach for the state of California. Um, if, well, if, if we, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. I was just saying, I mean, uh, this country has lost jobs for years. And to me, if we're going to make California any better, we have to bring trades back to the state of California. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think, you know, talking about the apartments and stuff, um, they're going to definitely, they're going to start erecting those. We've already seen like huge boom um, where BlackRock is blind, buying up all the property china's buying up all kinds of property and california for people that don't know uh california is is partners with china they have they have you know uh china initiatives and and the whole nine yards and you know china basically china first uh candidates that get endorsed all throughout the state and Mm -hmm. of course mr newsom is highly involved in that. Yep. And you're extremely right. Blackstone is coming in and buying all the houses and Newsom is part of this partnership. And it's just insane because now you have people competing with corporations to buy homes. You're going to have these mega corporate landlords. And now what's going to happen is the median home is already 800 grand. When you add two apartments to the back of every house, you're going to make house prices shoot up even more, not go down. Right. Which is... It's going to cause, you know, a a domino effect because then you're going to have even more people uh, that are homeless because I I don't know very many families that can afford an $800,000 mortgage. You know what I mean? Just for a really small place. It's not like these are palaces, but the cost of living in California is so high anyway for everything, for your groceries, your gas, your, the whole nine yards and your housing market is so upside down out there. It's crazy. Right. And who can even afford the property taxes? So like, I mean, what are the implications? If someone builds two apartments in my backyard, is that going to add a property tax to the house that I currently have? That's going to be a concern for many citizens. I mean, property tax is uh, a big expense. I mean, it's 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 tens of thousands of dollars a year, and that's just going to go up even more, and that's going to make it harder on the middle class and on blue collar workers. Right. Yeah, and there's such a, um, you know, there's such an upside down market as far as housing goes out there anyway. And California has one of the largest states population wise for you know, homeless people. 
where are all these people going to go? Because even if they build all of these, you know, apartments in suburban areas and, and things like that, um, who's going to be able to afford the rent in one of these? Right. Right. And here's, here's what's interesting about these bills. Neither of these bills include a rent control, like include any form of rent control. And what's interesting is they want to build affordable housing, right? And they call it affordable housing, but they, they won't establish any form of rent control, which makes absolutely no, absolutely no sense. So basically everybody could build all these apartments in their backyard and just try and outprice everybody else. Mm -hmm. If they want it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see um where that goes, you know, when that takes effect and and how that's going to happen because there's so many things um in California alone that are coming down the pike for you guys and I, I'm worried. We have we have family um that lives in California and you know, the whole not going to be able to buy anything gas powered uh, by 2025. And there's a lot of farming areas in California. Um, and I had somebody on my show before where we were talking about the farming industry in California and how that's going to be yes. affected by the no, no gas vehicles because right. your, your farming equipment is mm -hmm. gas powered. And, and even your lawnmower is gas powered. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be really interesting to see uh, where that goes and what happens. And, you know, we're already seeing a massive, you know, hike in inflation for prices and, and goods and services anyway. And then when that comes down the pike and it hits, you know, the uh, orange growers, the, you know, uh, people who write or grow nuts, <clears throat> grains, things like that. <clears throat> the prices yep. are going to be so crazy out there. It's already ridiculous for what something costs anyway. That's just going to make all the prices skyrocket when that happens. Yep. It's ridiculous. Uh, and even in California, uh, by 2024, we're not going to be able to drill oil from the ground anymore. So fracking is gone. And so, mm -hmm. uh, if you think, if you think gas is already bad now, $5, by the time that law goes into effect, you'll probably be seeing seven, eight, maybe $9 a gallon. Mm -hmm. I was reading something yesterday where they were talking about that by the summer this year, we could see gas prices already at $7 an hour, which we, we live in one of the cheaper States for gas and ours is like three twenty nine right now. Yeah, so, so I mean, I would see by, by your standards though, normal is like one dollar ninety cents, maybe two dollars, right? Yeah, yep. So, and here in California, it's usually like three dollars or like two ninety, something like that. But uh, right mm -hmm. now, it's really expensive. Right now, we're really seeing a big difference. Even if it's two dollars a gallon more than what we had like a year ago, it's still a big difference. Sure it is. And especially, you know, when you have people that have to get to work, yes. you know, because everybody's still in that, in that rent race thing. So, right. you know, trying to put food on the table, trying to put gas in your car with the, with the massive jump in inflation, it's, it's already really, really difficult for a lot of families and they're struggling. Well, so, yeah these changes are going to make things so much worse. Right. And think about 2035, uh, even when you're going to have to buy an electric car just to get to work, uh, when mm -hmm. you're going to have to have an electric car to go wherever you go. And it, that's going to negatively impact low-income families because low-income families don't have the money to just go out and buy an electric car because uh, that's clean and safe and wonderful for the environment as much as Newsom thinks that everybody can do that. Yeah, it's expensive. And, you know, like we live in a very rural area. There is nowhere anywhere near here to to charge an electric vehicle. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, hopefully 
you can find one somewhere. <laughs> but think about think about how awful a road trip would be. Like, say, since you live in California, your family was forced to buy an electric vehicle, and yeah. say you were coming here to Tennessee to visit me. How how much longer would that take? Since you would have to stop and charge your vehicle literally all the time. Oh, that would take a lot longer and see, it wouldn't be efficient either. It's not, it's not efficient for people and it's not, uh, it's not convenient for people cost wise either. So there are two problems right there, uh, established for the governor. But like I said, he's, he's signing these laws because he doesn't care about people. And so when, you know, he's signing those laws, he's not taking that into consideration. Well, no, because he pretty much only thinks about himself. Because I know there's a lot of mandates going on in your state where, you know, everybody else has to conform and abide by those mandates, but he does not. And neither does his aunt Nancy, you know, or a lot of the other politicians all over the United States where it's, it's good for you uh, as a constituent, but it's not good for them as a public office holder. They don't have to abide by the rules that they set for us. Mm -hmm. Oh, excuse me. So, yep. so let me ask you a question. Um, what do you see yourself politically doing in the future? Do you have a specific interest in, you know, like school board or, or, you know, have you thought about it? Like what you want to do? I haven't necessarily thought about school board. I've more thought about getting into the legislature because that's really where everything happens, where all the bills that concern the whole state are getting passed, you know? Um, and I don't like this idea. Like, you know, we have all the, you have all these people on Instagram and, and Facebook, and a lot of them think they're political wizards. But the problem with that kind of thinking is you're not really a political wizard until you get into office. So not right. even me myself i mean i i wouldn't say i'm a political wizard i'd say i know a lot about politics but i'd say until i get into office uh i'm not i'm not really as credible as someone who's in office unless obviously they're just you know promoting all the stupidity like there's there's a lot of stuff getting thrown around like you said like crt or radical feminism or uh, mm -hmm. all this all this nonsense that people are trying to promote and i'm definitely not one of them i'm not promoting this woke idea or you know that we should hand out crack pipes because uh, certain races are <laughs> negative, are negatively affected by inequity, whatever you want to say. But I would just say, you know, refrain from that proud mindset, which is that, you know, I know everything. And, and I try to refrain from that mindset myself. I know a lot, but there's a lot more that I can learn. And hopefully I will learn enough on the way to be able to get into office. I do not know everything. And I'm very glad I don't because it gives me the opportunity to learn something new every day and you should never stop learning. So you, you must be very intelligent though. Uh, pat yourself on the back for that because you graduated early, which means yeah. that you had your nose to the grindstone. So yes. be very proud of that. Yep. So, um, since you, you said you're not sure exactly what you want to do as far as a future career yet, do well, you have anything that you're interested in? I am interested in real estate. So when I am 18, I want to get a real estate license, but I'm not for certain as to whether I want to do that as a career or on the side, um, because mm -hmm. there are plenty of things that I'm considering on the side or just as a career. Um, College wise, I, uh, in terms of major, I mean, I would, I'm, I, I'm doing political science right now, but I'm not exactly sure what route I want to go career wise, but I mm -hmm. definitely do want to serve in politics. Like I said, that's one of the things that I want to spend, like maybe, uh, like a quarter of a good quarter of my life doing. Yeah. I'm, I'm so, I'm so impressed with you and so, um, proud to know you because you are, an excellent uh, steward of information. So if you were going to 
tell somebody um, or make a suggestion on how to educate themselves on bills and whatnot in their states, what would you tell them to, to start? What would your advice be? To uh, legislators? No, to everyday citizens that that uh, maybe want to start getting involved in learning about, you know, what bills or proposed legislature is going on in their state, where would you tell them to start? Oh, okay. So uh, it's, it's, it's just, it doesn't take a whole lot of uh, research to understand, but there's a website called assembly.california.gov or you go to senate.california.gov or I would even start at the local level. Each city kind of has a website. Um, even the board of supervisors has a website. Go and check out the government websites because the government websites, they all have committees, the members, the schedules and publications, maybe the offices and cauc- uh, caucuses, like their streamed, um, their streamed sessions and their public services. So like their, the, the jobs they offer, maybe it's the legislative branch, maybe it's the uh, legislative process that you want to know or you want to learn about teachers and students or even at the Board of Education. On every level, there's some form of website that every part of government is associated with. So just find it out. Like if, if you live in Georgia, there's probably a georgia.state.gov or something like that's a website that shows you everything that's being passed in Georgia or everything that's – and there are even apps on iOS that are like bill trackers that show which legislators passed the bill, which legislators voted against the bill. Uh, like there's ones for Congress, for your state and local governments and all that. So you can also go check those apps out on iOS. It's an easy and convenient way to find that stuff. You know, what's really funny about that is uh, I took a screenshot mm-hmm. of um, a particular congressperson um, and and what she voted against. And I posted that on Twitter and, or on Instagram and it got removed, uh, because that was an incitement to violence. And I thought this is a matter of public record. Uh, you can look this up. You can see what every congressperson in your state has voted for or against. Um, or if they didn't vote at all. And I don't know how that is an incitement of violence, but I find that humorous that that's even one of the things that that's being censored and removed is, is people in your state and what they're voting for. (laughs) And I don't like no, no votes either. Cause like, for example, let's say there's uh, like a K through 12 vaccine mandate bill being passed and you do a no vote. It kind of think, it kind of makes me think that they're supporting the bill. They just don't right. want to explicitly vote for it. Exactly. You're I either for or against something. There's no real middle ground. I mean, in that kind of situation, I don't know what the middle ground would be. Yeah. And see, I'm the same way. I'm a black and white kind of person. It is, or it's not, you know, and either you are hundred percent on board with something or you're not. And if oh. there's any inkling at all, that you don't like something that's in a bill, don't vote for it. I don't, I don't understand that, but there's a lot of people. And I think our Congress um, people are very lazy, very lazy in the legislatures too, where they don't want to take the time to have to read what's in a bill or a proposed bill. I mean, yeah, congressmen don't even read some of the bills and some of them just don't care. Like you're saying, so some some mm-hmm. citizens like me may even read the bills more than our own legislators, and that's just crazy to think about. So thinking about me being a legislator, being a lion for the people of California is like, I I can I can kick butt in debates against these people probably when oh, they 100%. have every single every single assemblyman speak about a bill or some. Each assemblyman really gets a chance to speak or to witness about the bill or to give some sort of like public. Uh, like public statement that's like one or two minutes long, either in defense mm-hmm. of the bill or attacking the bill. And so that's the beauty of being a legislator. You get to do that and you get to vote. So that uh, seems very exciting. So that's the first target. And then hopefully next uh, I can run for governor. I don't know. We'll see where things go. 
uh, well, I don't live in California, but if I did, you would have my complete and total support because I know what you stand for. And I know that uh, you have a spine and you're not just going to sit down and roll over. So, well, no, absolutely not. I mean, they could be trying to pass an infrastructure bill. And if there's anything in there that says, oh, there's this little thing right here that says $1 million paycheck to Gavin Newsom. That's an automatic mm-hmm. no to that bill. Right. Exactly. And that, and that's what I was saying a minute ago. I'm the same way. And if I was running for anything and there was one iota of something in it I did not like, there's no way in hell I'd vote for it. Not going to do it. Yeah. Well, the thing is, if I were governor, let me tell you what I would do. So in California, we have a special thing. And I, and I was le- like studying this very heavily like three years ago. It's a thing called line, line item veto. So, you know, like presidents, how most presidents and governors, when they get a bill on their desk, they can choose to either sign the bill or veto the whole bill. Right. Well, in California, you can actually veto only parts of a bill. So what's interesting is, listen to this, if I were governor and there's a very good bill before me, I can veto all the bad, all the things that would do bad things to our citizens and only sign the good parts of the bill. So governors in this state have the power of a line item veto. So like, let's say there's, you know, there's uh, infrastructure for California on one part, talking about fixing our roads, bridges and whatever. And then there's another thing that says Medi-Cal for all, which means like, you know, whoever wants it gets it, you know, kind of thing. Right. And I, and I want to veto just that one thing. I can veto the Medi-Cal, the, or the, the Medicare for all bill and just sign the rest of the bill. And there you go. It's infrastructure for California, but with all, without all the shenanigans in there. I wonder how often they use that though. Probably I'm not very often. not very much. No, <laughs> no, no. I, I would say not very often at all because Newsom, I mean, he's the governor who, you know, he's in support of our legislators. So it's almost like whatever they put on the bill, you know, that's just going to fly by him, especially mm-hmm. with the campaign donations he gets, you know, the people oh, who are supporting definitely. his campaign and, and guaranteeing yeah. his reelection and having his back. They don't want him to veto any of those individual items in a bill. They just want him to keep the whole bill. Right. And, and he's happy to do so because he's lining his pockets quite nicely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and absolutely. Like on a, on a side note about him, uh, I don't know if a lot of people know it, but he owns uh, restaurants, wineries, uh, all kinds uh-huh. of stuff. And mm-hmm. of course, um, while he shut down most businesses in California for, you know, all these crazy mandates and stuff, his businesses were it's allowed open. to stay open. Yep. So yep. that's your, that's your beautiful governor at work. <clears throat> mm. Yeah. Um, hum. <laughs> I love that. I love the John Cox commercial of last year, the beauty versus the, the beast. Mm-hmm. You know, John Cox. Well, and, I don't. I don't care for the guys a candidate, but you know, it was just a funny, a funny commercial. <laughs> yeah, and you know, he's he's quite the individual if you look into him, because, uh, like I said before, he's got deep ties and deep pockets with uh, China and the deals that he pulls and mm-hmm. uh, what is it? Um, your what is it? PM PMG. They donated $209,000 to a, his campaign last year. So like these people yeah. behind him, they're like, oh yeah, I mean, governor, you keep going, you keep signing what we want and we'll make sure you get reelected. Right. Yeah. And I don't, you know, just like when they uh, had the recall vote and stuff, we know that was, uh, I know there was a lot of fraudulent stuff going on during that particular mm-hmm. time, not saying that the whole whole state, you know, would have uh, voted to recall him. But, you know, he's got the backing of Silicon Valley and big tech and, you know, the yeah, I wanna say cooperatives like, yeah. and the whole nine yards out there. Yep. I want to say like Netflix donated a couple million dollars to the guy before he had to deal with the recall. Yeah. And, you know, and it's kind of like, uh, once the recall was over, it was like, okay, now I'm going to go after everybody that voted to recall me. Yeah. 
he's kind of a, he's kind of one of those people that's not high on my list of people that I like. (laughs) (laughs) I would hope not. And there are some people who are like, Oh, yep. He's doing great. He's doing good things for people. And I, I'm, I feel sorry for those people. I feel really sorry because I don't know if they can really offer an explanation for that. So what, what do you think uh, is wrong with some people? Why they cannot see the nose on their face, basically, if you showed it to them? Uh, It's just, like I said, their own pride, their own self pride. There are people who just do not want to be wrong. Let's, let's be real. That's one thing. And another thing probably is just, you know, they see Newsom advocating for single payer health care. And those are the people that are like, well, I'm waiting to or I'm willing, excuse me, to pay more taxes for this if I have to. And it's it's a bunch of, you know, rich white liberals who say that kind of thing. Right. And so um, who definitely as, have the pocket change for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who definitely have the pocket change for that. And that's part of the reason why they say that. But the thing is, they don't realize is that with that kind of program, we're going to end up like a country like like almost like Norway, where they have like, you know, they have an open market, you know, capitalism, but they're taxed like 80 percent of their income almost. So right. it's like just just for that, just for the health care and basic basic needs and like, you know, maybe like a just basic needs in health care that alone. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, you know, there's so, uh, there's so many people now, um, your age that, you know, are really, really for socialism. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why you would be it unless they're not being taught what actual socialism is in school. Well, I you know, think they're all, Everyone wants community. Everyone wants support. But no one is really taught at a young age what community is. I mean, everybody can go out and start a community garden that where everyone mm-hmm. in the community shares food. And that, you know, uh, after the harvest, that there's plenty of food to supply uh, numbers of people and even pe- and, and even people outside of the community. So it's like people want community. They want to be taken care of. They're just... Uh, they're just taught that that ideology is going to do it and it seems to fail every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that that's so true. And I just, I don't, I worry about, you know, future generations. I worry about my kids um, mm-hmm. and, and what the future is going to look like for all of you coming up uh, later. But I think, um, your generation is actually starting to wise up to a lot of stuff. And I'm, I'm very proud of that. Well, I hope so. I really hope so. You know, I told, I told people if, you know, the, the United States tried to do anything wacky or silly or, uh, you know, make cut deals with the UN, like you're saying the economic forum, uh, I told him, mark my words, I would probably secede from the union if that were to happen as a government and, and not to get, any wars or anything but more like just to kind of be my own individual independent state and we did have a proposal like four years ago it was called the state of jefferson it would kind of Mm -hmm. divide california into do into two and like uh how do i explain it um like state of jefferson would be more like a constitutional sanctuary it have new laws and different and and a new legislator and legislature and a new governor but it would be governed in a totally different way and totally be so totally separate from California, if that makes sense. And it was a mm-hmm. ballot proposal like four years ago. And I want to say it didn't pass because like two thirds of the people voted against it. You know, they don't want two different states. They just want California. But a lot of people who supported that bill, they just want to be independent, sovereign beings. They want to be free from the bureaucracy that California has become over the last years. And that's the main reason why. They proposed definitely. It. Yeah, definitely. And I can see uh, where that would be concerning for a lot of people because like our family, you know, uh, that's out there is like in the Orange County area. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's it's a very uh, conservative area. It is, you know, people yeah, just no want to be left alone. No doubt. Yeah. So, so 
Mr. Max, I really, really appreciate you being on here with me today and having a discussion. If you had one message to give to people uh, for the future, what would it be? Um, just uh, keep your heads up. Um, I know that we're going through a lot of difficult times right now. And um, the fight started a long time ago for people like me. And I know there are people who are just jumping in that I wish would have jumped in a long time ago. But you know what? Everything's going to if if we realize what's going on, I would just say everything's going to pan out to be just fine. I agree. I 100 percent agree with that. And I do not have fear for the future. Um, I no. think things are going to be fine. They may get rough for a while, uh, but I think. Uh, people are seeing uh, the sunshine outside, if you want to say it that way. Um, they're waking up to a lot of things that are going on. And and that, I think that's that number's growing daily exponentially. Yes. So um, I have I have hope for us. So, Mr. Max, where can they find you at? Um, open the schools now on Instagram, Facebook, just my name, Max Bonilla, uh, Twitter doesn't really matter. I don't really post on there a lot, but if you really wanted to, uh, Max Bonilla 19 and let me think on YouTube, I'm same thing, open the schools now. Um, but YouTube, I don't really post much. It's mainly Facebook and Instagram. So Facebook and Instagram trying to find me for sure. Very nice. Very nice. So again, uh, I just want to say, Thank you for joining me. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Um, people can also check out your page on Instagram. You have been interviewed on the news before. Um, you've got a lot of good information on your page. Uh, so I urge people to definitely follow you. Uh, any other young adults out there uh, that want to get connected with other people that are like-minded, I suggest you do so. Um, or if you think your kids would be interested, let them know about Max and where they can find him. So for me and for Max, thank you so much and we'll see you next time.